Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to day 40. I can't believe it's day 40 of the 7 a.m. novelist 50-day writing challenge, first draft edition. I'm Michelle Hoover, your host. This week, we're talking about managing that awful, terrible middle ground of your book. And in particular, we're talking about the ideas of the fun and games beat, as well as the midpoint of your book with authors Sarah Shukla and Annie Hartnett. Hi. Good morning. Sarah Shukla is an editor and writer for Cognoscetti. WBUR Boston Public Radio's Idea and Opinions page, and she's also a graduate of the Grub Street Novel Incubator. Her novel right now, which is titled Pink Whales, because they tend to, to change these titles when they go to publication sometimes, it's a humorous take on lies, drugs, and yacht clubs in an exclusive seaside New England town. Think Mean Girls, but with moms, and it's forthcoming from little A. We're very excited about that. She has um, writing in the Los Angeles Review of Books, short humor in McSweeney's and elsewhere, and interviews in Dead Darlings. She lives in Massachusetts with her husband and three kids. Annie Hartnett is the author of two novels. Her first was called Rabbit Cake and her new novel, Unlikely Animals, just came out in April with Random House. And she's actually in a cabin right now, basically where Unlikely Animals takes place. So that's very exciting. So you can kind of get, get a feeling for the novel there. Um, along with the writer Tessa Fontaine, Annie runs bi-weekly accountability groups, workshops designed to give you community and support on your writing projects without the pressure and confusion of feedback. Annie is also the co-host of the Here to Save You podcast, a podcast about writing while parenting young children. Annie lives in Massachusetts with her dog, daughter, and their dog. Is, did I read that right? No. <laughs> <laughs> lives in Massachusetts with her husband, daughter, and their dog. There's many dogs. There's multiple dogs, right? Andy? There's you only got... one dog, but oh, I, I should get really his own dog. That yeah, you should have. That's, right. that's why I said I had a dog that has a dog. Okay, Annie, what I first want to hear before we get to our subject, I want to hear about these accountability groups that you run. So the accountability groups are something that Tessa Fontaine and I cooked up because we have been accountability partners for years based off this... Um, this Amy Bender essay, which is called um, The Best Way to Get Creative is to Make Some Rules. And it's yeah. about um, signing a contract with another writer and keeping each other on track. So you can Google the essay. It's on Oprah.com. Um, and it, it's the number one thing that changed my creative life is just having a partner and having a contract. Um, so we started these groups um, in June. And we run um, a bunch of them that we have evening and afternoon groups and we it, it's a workshop we do it, it does cost money it's 150 dollars a month um but and you can drop out at any time because we want people to come when they need us and then leave when they don't need us when they mm -hmm. need that like extra accountability um and there's just these amazing groups because uh sometimes when you're working on a project you really want the support of a workshop but you don't really want the feedback of a workshop because I, I do believe that a lot of times like novelists have to solve their own problems or memoirists like, you yeah. know, working on long stuff, you have to struggle. Yeah. And I think this podcast is great for that because you can take these lessons that other people have learned and like apply it to your own, apply it to your own work and, but figure it out yourself is really the, so sometimes I feel yeah. that workshops just is, is, is confusing even positive stuff so mm -hmm. so anyway the accountability groups are have been like a total 
blessing to teach and be in and yeah we have room in them right now um we do and then we run a little wait list when we don't have room so and is there a website people can go to to find out about yeah them? you can just um go to anniehartnett.com and there's a tab for the accountability workshops to read like there's there's it's more than the it's more than just the um just the workshops that we offer it's um there's like several parts of how we have cooked up like supporting writers to keep them on track so I love that. I love that. I was telling Annie beforehand that I, I might join that because um, we all need a little bit of accountability and the money probably makes you even more accountable. OK, yeah, it's like a gym membership. Totally. <laughs> um, OK, excellent. So um, again, today we're talking about fun and games in the midpoint. Now, Sarah um, was very excited about this topic of fun and games, so I'm going to let her run with this. Fun and games is an idea um, from uh, uh, screenwriting and 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 you'll also find it in um, Lise Brody's not Lise Brody's she's a student of ours um, <laughs> who's the author of Save the Cat her last Jessica name is Brody, Brody. Jessica Brody it's Jessica Blake Snyder Brody. wrote the screenwriting book. yes uh, sorry Lise Brody's a student but uh, Jessica Brody is the author of Save the Cat and um, so she it's a beat in her kind of rather formulaic but can be helpful um setup of how how to structure a novel okay so sarah what's your idea of fun and games and you seem to also really like this idea you find this idea really helpful so so what is it um to you that's so attractive i think it's so much fun that sounds so cliche but um yeah it's my favorite part of story structure and movies and i guess and books too but um i think of it as like um like the Hunger Games or like a spy movie, like it's, or I really, what I tell, um, I just told my kids this yesterday, I was describing it and I was like, it's the dance montage. So it's like the, the part in like, I don't know, the first half, two thirds of the, or two thirds of the first half, that's confusing, but where um, they're just setting everything up. So it's like the rules of the game. So Hunger Games, when she's like going to the Capitol and getting like all her fun little tools and was it the crossbow or, and meeting the people yeah. and it's like the setup of, what's going to happen and, and the rules of sort of the competition or a campus novel. Like I love a good campus novel. And so I was looking back at Bunny, just my, I was obsessed One of your with favorites. Yep. Class. And, I am. Um, uh, obsessed with it. And, um, Mona Awad. Mona Awad. Yeah. And so with Bunny, it's like, um, I was looking back at it yesterday. And so she's like going to the parties, going to the salon, going to the workshops, the workshops and, um, She's in a she's in a creative writing uh, MFA yes. program, supposedly. Yes, it's a very strange creative writing, and so it, it basically because you 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 can have or according to the Save the Cat, you have the first act, and then you break into the second act, and that's when the fun and games are happening, right before the midpoint. Yeah, yeah. So you've known that you sort of crossed over into what's going to be this alternate universe or whatever, and um, you know what I really think of is Palm Springs, this the movie that's on, which is fantastic. On yeah. Yeah, on, with Andy Samberg. And I think I watched it right after doing the novel incubator with you. And so in during the pandemic, so my brain was still on all this stuff, but it's it's perfect. Um, it has this whole, it has the dance montage. It has, it's like Andy Samberg and he dies every day and then relives the same day every day. And so it's just a montage of him dying in really funny ways and then coming back. And it's with um the girl with Kristen Malati um at that point too. And then there's a dance, which is like for me, all my favorite things are happening all in once in the fun games. And then that leads up to the midpoint at which something shifts and changes. And then the narrative sort of 
goes in a different direction from there. Um, right. And so it's also the moment when you're when you're gathering allies and enemies, right? So you're kind of and you're yeah. also kind of setting the stage for who is going to be important in this new world? Because oftentimes when you, when you cross into the second act, it's, it's a, it's a new world or even a new setting. Um, And so who's going to be important here? Who are the important players? Um, And Sarah, is it always, I mean, is it always dancing? Is it always fun games? Cause I don't don't know. I need to have dancing in my books. I don't know. As I'm saying that I'm thinking like, there's not dancing in novels, Sarah, but I think of it as that um, in my head and as I'm writing too, as just this fun energy and this sort of energy that builds and that's um, infectious and that makes you like, brings you more into the story and makes you invested and excited in what's happening, you know, all for them to kind of ruin it. Right. Cause I feel like you're like, this is going great. This is so much fun. We're dancing. And then something's going to shift soon that complicates it and makes it yeah. Well, I think cool. it's not a bad metaphor because it's it's also people coming together. Yeah. Doing with an objective. Yeah. Um, and 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 so and 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 that and, and that necessary energy that you're you're looking for with gathering everyone together and getting that energy to get the the novel moving. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking of um, Beetlejuice too because I was looking back at um, also this book I love, The Regrets by Amy Bonifons, and it's um because there's rules. I was thinking, what books have rules? And so in that book, Thomas is, he's recently deceased, but he's, he's insufficiently dead. So um, sort of similar to Beetlejuice where like, he then gets like a handbook almost. And it, so each chapter is sort of introduced with like, don't do the rules of like, don't do this, don't form relationships. So he like goes to American apparel and gets an outfit he can wear every day. So it's in the same coffee shop, but it, what so what he does every day then escalates he does different things and then um then he meets somebody so the way he breaks the rules starts escalating but it's still sort of in accordance with the setup of like here's how you handle being recently disturbed insufficiently dead for three months um and so then i thought of beetlejuice right where they're like they find out they're dead and then there's a handbook for the recently deceased and they go to the um she's not there the the lawyer's office right yeah and those so, are just my favorite ones because you're learning about the world. I think it's you're the learning. World yeah. So you're book. getting the rules of the world. So it's basically it's a dance party with a rule book <laughs> in a way. <laughs> a lot of confusing metaphors. In my but no, no, but it gives it it gives it energy. Um, and so yeah. and you're doing it. You're you're laying out the groundwork basically for the rest of the book, but it has to be moving. It can't just right. be exposition. So there actually needs to be. Um, yeah, it, it, the characters need to we need to feel that they're also moving forward in time. Um, Which is so you need to do my both. problem. I was thinking of my novel. And I remember, shout out to Casey LeBlanc in here. She, he, when we workshop my novel, he was like, this is funny and it's funny every time, but this character isn't doing the same thing in a different setting in each one. Cause I was like, now she's here, now she's here, now she's here. But it wasn't sort of escalating or leading towards like something greater. Um, so I think that's, that's the key too. And when I talk about it, um, that's kind of what I was forgetting yeah. to mention, want to forget to mention that so you did you combine it. those scenes that were doing kind of all the same thing or I mean I'm waiting for my editor to now swoop in and make it great <laughs> no <laughs> tell me what to do so um no I have the different scenes I, I swapped them around a bunch so I had to th- I thought about the pacing of it and so I, pr- I kind of tried just switching the order of them to think about like what really would lead into another thing and um for escalation 
for escalation. Yeah. And then I tried to look at, I think just the arc and the thread of it to make sure that I was building towards something and that she was kind of getting deeper and deeper. I use mean girls as a model. If you can't, I mean, yeah, that's what you see is the cat works for me really well. Cause I apparently speak and talk through movies and I, but I think of, it made sense to me to kind of plot out the movie or the book, like a movie. Um, mm-hmm. and good. So I'm curious. I mean, I'm curious if fun and games applies to more sort of literary endeavors. I was thinking that too, in all of this is a lot of my touchstones are like, are, are, yeah, or Palm Springs or Andy Samberg. (laughs) I'm not sure how you would translate that to something less. um, Well, I think it does translate because again, you're, you're getting, you're, you're doing the world building and you're getting the players all together. And, yeah. and you're also needing to find energy to move forward. And so as we move forward, then we move we're, and, and we, we need to move forward into the to the midpoint. Your characters are, are active. They have goals. They have um, partners in those goals. They have antagonists. And we look, learn to learn about the world without a big info dump, um, which is necessary. So as we move into the midpoint, Annie, how do you, about you, how do you think about these things like the fun and games and how that moves into the midpoint? And you teach a lot about the midpoint, I know. Uh, yeah, well, I find the midpoint like the worst part to write. So, <laughs> so you're constantly that, wrangling with it and trying to figure. Yeah, the saying yeah. of like the thing you struggle with most is the thing that you should teach. Um, is yeah. so I, I am a, sort of obsessed with the midpoint because I feel like the beginning of and I use a lot of people experience this that you run out of energy at some point you start with a great idea and you start to run out of energy and i think that that's where uh, people quit on their novels i think that that's where um fun and games can be really useful i don't think um i think that you can i think it can be applied to any sort of novel it's just you think about who's actually having fun not the characters are necessarily having fun but like you you the god who had the great idea you know, is now like, like being a sadist and, you know, flicking your little characters and, you know, torturing them. Um, So it doesn't have to, it could be a really dark novel, but it's fun for you because you're in love with the idea that you have and the world that you're creating. So it's might be really like, you know, miserable for your characters, but because dances um, aren't fun for everybody. Some of them, some of them are intensely uncomfortable. Um, and, uh, and that's also what I think you're doing. Actually, Sarah, I actually, I keep going back to this idea because you're putting pressure on the character to perform, to act, to do mm-hmm. something. Um, I think it, yeah. And so, yeah. I think Pam Laurie says, think Carrie. That was exactly <laughs> where I was going. I was thinking of the bucket of blood. Um, right. So we've got a dance party with a rule book and a bucket of blood. Okay. Midpoint. How do you think about, there's certain things that you talk about when you talk about midpoint, Nanny, that I want to hear about. The, the midpoint for me, um, I think about it a couple different ways. So, um, but f- for me, it is like the sec- because I run out, of, I've got this great idea at the inciting incident, and then I'm able to play with a lot of things and continue world building and all the setup that feels like you have to do. But then the midpoint has to, I feel, I feel like I have to break the novel at that point. Yeah. If something has to really, like Sarah said, shift. Um, and, 
and actually both my novels i just realized this thinking about this is that um at that point i i write about dysfunctional families at that point i usually take one character out and they have to go away um because i need to like reorganize things and have have the other characters who remain like grow and change Mm -hmm. and so i've had to remove a character in both midpoints um not that that's necessarily what you need to do at a midpoint but you have to change the situation in some way it's kind it's kind of like a second inciting incident um because then you need it it's really just for me it's just like okay what big event can happen here that changes the world so much that I'm almost writing a new novel because I got tired of that old idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, it's, so it's, a, it's, it's, um, I do think about it as a, um, you know, we look at the triangle and it, it doesn't really accurately show us that there should be something big at the midpoint. So I always think about it as the midpoint has to be um, like the tent pole holding up the whole that it has to be there has to be some big event um i like it to have something that involves all the main characters but again i write about dysfunctional families so it would be different in a different sort of novel so um in unlikely animals they the whole family is together at a funeral and a unexpected I'll just tell you, an unexpected fox shows up on UPS and the whole family has like already been built up to the through the point of fun and games where another main character has died. A lot of bad things have happened and it's just the mother's last straw. So she leaves at that point and leaves the rest of the family who are not capable of taking care of themselves. Um, so for me, it it um, the midpoint just um, takes a long time to write because you have to figure out how you're going what like where a new idea essentially that um Mm -hmm. but without without um without a midpoint i do find that there's often just like this flat space in the novel where you are not really you run out of energy and ideas Mm -hmm. um so some important things that I'm, i'm hearing from you so i do think the novel is can be seen as a constantly a new inciting incident and then another inciting incident and then another inciting instance because you're constantly you're kind of setting up a a row of incidences that are going to constantly surprise and break and put pressures on the characters so thinking about it as another inciting incident I think is is great Um, again it's that when we go back to the idea of escalations and we go back to George Saunders um, image of the track that he uses he talks again, and you can go back to our escalation show, um, but he talks about a, a track in which um, you set a little toy car. And I actually had this when I was young. So I love that he used this image and it has a little um, uh, car wash building on the track. And so the car will go through the car wash building it'll race, and, and the car wash actually spits the car out and the car goes around the track, but it begins to lose energy as it goes around the track. And so it needs to get back to the car wash machine to 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 get that energy again and so that's again additional inciting incidents it's also the midpoint and as well you have to have the fun and games working to such a point putting enough pressure on the characters to such a point so that the midpoint does act like that straw that breaks the camel's back it's that last little pressure point that you put on everything else that just 
breaks everything. Um, so they are really entwined. And so your midpoint's not going to work if you haven't built this, the fun games properly. Totally. Yeah. They're, they're all, I do think about them in the George Saunders gas stations that yeah. they're all, I write really episodically too. So, because I was a short story writer first. So um, that helps me just to sort of be like, you know, smaller episode, smaller episode, smaller episode, and your bomb goes off. And then we have to start picking up the pieces again. And I think a lot about zigzagging energy too is, you know, like having um, having the fun and games, you know, something really exciting happens, then you have the room for some emotional development and slower stuff. And then you need a little, you need another gas station. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, because the midpoint can also be, I've also heard of it spoken as it's kind of a mirror to your um, main character emotionally, it forces them to look at themselves um, and see where they're at <clears throat> and, and take, um, um, just just look at where they're at emotionally, what has happened to them thus far. So so in that way, it can be, it's both an engine and, and a bit of a way station. I mean, both of those yeah. are probably happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you need the, um, you need the bigger, the bigger external event, I think, but you also, yeah, it's where the character has to take stock of like, who am I and what's, what's wrong with my life and how can I fix it? Because in the second half, um, the character is supposed to be a little more proactive about fixing their problems mm -hmm. uh, so that they have to have that, that, that moment. Yeah. The moment in the mirror where they, um, that external event is causing them to assess like, well, who am I? And for me, it's like, and, and how can I fix my family? Yeah. Uh, or get away from my family might be another. <laughs> <laughs> right, which might be the solution. Um, and also, if you do have, so we talk about story goals with the main characters a lot. If you, you can have a story goal by request so that the character is doing something for somebody else that they feel some duty to. So like a, a dying parent or, or someone that's really important to them. So they've been, they've gone into this, the, the unknown world, the uncomfortable world, they're, they're heading into difficulties, but they're doing it by request for somebody else, but it's at a point where they have to take ownership of that goal and really be doing it for themselves and not just for somebody else. Um, I mean, or in addition to doing it for someone else. So again, it's really, it's, it, it becomes their responsibility um, and they have to um, move forward from there and, and um, take action. Excellent. Um, okay, we have some questions. Um, I mean, first off, I just wanted to go back to Sarah. Sarah, how do you feel about the midpoint? Like, were you able to find a midpoint in your book and what was your midpoint? Yeah. I. Yeah, I think there's they're so related. And it's, so I think it's like the escalation of like the the fun and games are like this little reprieve of like, and again, they can be not fun too, right? But in the examples I was thinking of, um, things get better and better seemingly, right? To the character, like really to you, the reader, you're like, you're making bad choices. But um, in my novel anyway, to the character, um, things seem better and better. She's getting more into this sort of scene until... Um, she makes like a bad choice and kind of crosses the line and then has that mirror moment of like, oh, I kind of like mean girls, right? Like I've been, I've gotten too deep, look at the person I've become and then sort of spirals, but has to find a way um, through after the midpoint. Yeah. To turn around. 
No, so so it's perfect because it so it seems fun to the character, but they're they're driving themselves deeper and deeper into a hole. Um, yeah. And going back to Henriette Lazaridis li likes to think of the oh 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 no girl moment um, in terms of and so basically they're doing that over and over and over again. They think it's fun, but they're driving themselves into a deeper hole. Excellent. Okay, we have some related questions in the chat. Um, so Julie, and I think this is more for Annie, she, she wants to know, what do you mean by smaller episodes that lead up to the midpoint? So I think that's also related to her other question. So what do you mean by smaller episodes and how do you know you've hit the midpoint since you're in the process of writing? How do you know you hit the midpoint? Um, you know, I think if you're in a first draft, you might not know that it's the midpoint the first time that you write it. Um, and for for me, I never have known that oh, this is the midpoint. And um, but I do know that when um, I am sort of running out of of energy for the book, that I need another external event. Um, I think that most of that, the actual like structure of you know what's the midpoint and when is the character doing that mirror moment comes from me in the editing. Um, so. I think that if you're writing a first draft, that's just to say, useful to know that the midpoint's going to be a big event where things change for the characters. In a second draft, useful to know that that point should also be where the characters has that emotional look look in the mirror and and start to make a change. So it's that's for the me, harder thing to find. For me, for me, yeah, you know, for me too. I, yeah, I, I think emotion and tracking the character changes until you've written the whole plot. How do you how do you know how the character is going to change? So, um, um, so I, I guess if it so it sounds to me like this person might be in the process of writing a first draft, it's more think about um, how can so I see someone ask like how do you break the novel at the midpoint? What does that mean? um it's just that um you want to set things in a new direction than you were heading because um otherwise it starts to feel like a road trip where you're just still on the same journey and i do find that when you start out the novel with a crisis or a problem there is an impulse after a while to solve it right. and so once you solve it, you know, the book is over, so it needs to continue, right? You, you want to write a full novel and not a short story. So, um, so you need to throw like a big wrench in things somehow. And that, um, and one way to do that is to make, you know, either the midpoint might be like a false, you, they think that they have solved it. They think that they're about to fix it. And then everything, you know, like in my book, everyone's come together for this funeral and this family has been trying to come together. They're finally all together. But then, you know, a fox shows up and for some reason that's the last straw. And so the family is broken apart. So, um, and notice so, you had to find that in what you'd already written. Cause when you're plotting out ahead, you're like, oh, I'm going to throw a fox in. You probably couldn't, <laughs> you weren't, you couldn't find that until you'd gone back into, I'm assuming, until you'd gone into your book and, and realized, oh, this is something that's quite important. This is the thing that will do it. Because otherwise it sounds, um, it could be rather small. And another family funeral, Fox would not break the family, but this particular family, it does. Yeah. 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 It's all about what the fun and game set up for you too, is, um, 
that the earlier in the book, the, the father orders the fox secretly. So you know it's coming. And so in that way, the mid, midpoint feels like the climax because we've been waiting for it throughout the fun and games. Right. And then it's, it, it's, it is a climax for, for that, what you first set up, but then it, it, it breaks the normal or causes this new energy, the shift. And so then you have to solve that problem that, so that, so that's the, why I think it's like a second inciting incident. Um, but I do think it's hard to know when you're actually in that first draft. So it's more like, uh, I think the gas stations just is really useful is just write those, those, um, those scenes that give you energy that are, that are, that cause misery for your characters that refuse to fix the problem that you presented them. Um, Right. And what I also love is that you've set up the prediction for that. So you've forecasted, um, we have this fox coming and the reader knows, we're like, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> I think the arrival of this fox is not going to be good. So we're, we're, we've got we've got a bit of a clock, like an inner clock in the book, um, which we're going to be talking about tomorrow. And then you've also built up a, a sort of, we're excited for him. <laughs> to have a fox but we're also like this is not going to work out um sarah or annie any quick so we we've talked about um possibly like a removal of a character we've talked about throwing in an animal like other ideas from um books that you've loved quickly that that work for midpoints um that can break a book i mean i was just thinking um it's fascinating to go back and look at books that you love and look about halfway. I just did that yesterday. And about yeah. halfway through the regrets, she goes after that, of course, things could hardly get better. So something like they were at this peak and then something happened and then it just gets darker from there. And the character kind of realizes it. And same with bunny. There's, there's the same line. So, um, and what, what has actually happened at those points? Um, well, she was dating Thomas, who was dead, and then his eyes disappeared and he couldn't see. And so it started to become more evident to both of them. He had had some corporal issues before, but, um, but there, yeah, they, they had this peak moment of they go to Coney Island and it's, it's perfect and wonderful. And it's there, he's kind of just in the height of delusion of still being alive. And, um, and yeah, then it just, and then becomes, his eyes disappeared. That's ignore any longer. Yeah. yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> Annie. Yeah. So something just so unexpected that un unsets the world even. Yeah. Um, Annie, any of your favorite midpoints? Um, in Swamplandia by Karen Russell, there's like a lot. It, there's so much world building. That's a great novel to read for fun and games because there's so much world building and character development and also just zany things that happen. Yeah. And a lot of torturing the characters. And then at the midpoint, a new character arrives and they set off on a journey to go find. Um, so sometimes road trip novels or trip novels begin, the trip doesn't begin until the midpoint. Um, and that's right. what happens. Right, excellent. Because it, it forces the characters to react, it forces them to do something and it probably, mm -hmm. and it forces them to do something different. Um, and you'd say, well, that is also the point of attack or as we move into the second act, but then you need it again and again and again. You need to constantly go back to that engine. Okay, thank you so much. I'm gonna have to get these folks to the writing desk because it's Saturday and I know they've got the whole Saturday to write. That's all they're doing. So they're up early. They're gonna get ready to um, go. Tomorrow we've got, um, we're gonna be talking 
talking about the cloth more specifically with Steve Yarbrough and Sabina Murray. If you support what we're doing, please share, follow, and rate our 7am Novice podcast on Substack, where you can find it on other podcast platforms. And you can find our full schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Annie and Sarah, thank you so much for helping us out, figure out these uh, difficult ideas. And um, I hope you also have a very good writing day. Thank you, everyone. But you never wonder why There isn't nothing here at all